Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Our theme this morning is discipleship, which means following Jesus. It means doing our best to live the way Jesus taught us to live and showed us to live. The most well-known stories of Jesus calling people to follow him are the stories where Jesus says exactly that, follow me. They're the stories of the men who leave their fishing nets behind to follow Jesus. With all the stories of Jesus saying, follow me, we don't always remember the story of Jesus saying, I'm coming over for dinner tonight. That is the story of Zacchaeus, the short man who climbed a tree to see Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, follow me. Jesus doesn't say, come, be healed. Jesus doesn't say, come, listen to my teachings. Jesus says, I'm coming over for dinner. There's a gap in the story from our scripture reading. Something is missing. I'm inclined to think that the story we have is not a complete sequence events of events, but is rather a summary of what happened. To some extent, that's obvious. We don't know anything about the meal itself. We don't know whether Jesus and Zacchaeus were the only ones eating the meal together. And let's pretend they spent an hour or more together. First, Zacchaeus hurried down from the tree he had climbed. Then he walked home with Jesus asked somebody to get dinner ready, and then they shared the actual meal. So if all this took more than an hour, I'm willing to bet there was more conversation than what the Bible tells us. And I'm willing to bet that Zacchaeus' words to Jesus and Jesus' words of salvation were the climax and the resolution of the story. I bet there was a whole conversation that happened in between Jesus inviting himself over for dinner and Zacchaeus' statement about how he would change his ways. There's a gap in our Bible story because we don't know what kind of conversation went on between Jesus and Zacchaeus. What did Jesus say to Zacchaeus there in Zacchaeus' house? I wish we knew. Because whatever it was, it moved Zacchaeus to change his life. It seemed to have brought about a radical transformation in Zacchaeus. If we knew what Jesus said, maybe we could have conversations like that in our church community today. Conversations that would deepen our commitment to live as disciples of Jesus. Conversations that would bring about transformation in our lives. We can make some assumptions about Zacchaeus based on what biblical scholars know about social and economic structures during that time and in that place. Zacchaeus would have been a Jew, like Jesus and all his followers were Jews. But Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means that Zacchaeus was a Jew who was a pawn of the Roman government. Jerusalem was an occupied territory, occupied by the Roman government, and Zacchaeus was like a traitor to his own people because he worked for Rome. On top of that, tax collectors were in a position to exploit the people they collected taxes from 
and to grow rich from that exploitation. So Zacchaeus got rich because he exploited his fellow Jews. And people thought less of Jesus when they saw that Jesus would eat dinner with such a sinful man. But somehow, that time with Jesus transformed Zacchaeus. I wonder what was said in that dinner table conversation. I wonder what Jesus would say at the dinner table if he came to dinner at my house or at your house. When we read the Gospels, it seems like Jesus tailors his words to each person or group he talks to. He says different things to different people. It seems he understands the situation of each person he talks to. One needs healing. Another needs words of blessing. Another needs a challenge to try harder. But we don't know what he said to Zacchaeus at the dinner table. And we can only guess at what Jesus would say to you or to me at our dinner tables. I haven't sat down and counted for myself, but people say that one-fourth of everything Jesus said related to either money or material possessions. The Christian church has opted to discontinue that practice. Of course, the Christian church in the 21st century has opted to discontinue many of Jesus' practices, like that love-your-neighbor thing, How often do you read or see in the news about some hateful thing done by some church or group who call themselves Christian? Christians don't have a great track record when it comes to truly continuing the ministry of Jesus, when it comes to doing what Jesus did and following what Jesus taught. The comedian Stephen Colbert talks about people who want to say that the United States is a Christian nation. He says... If this is going to be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, either we have to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition, and then admit that we just don't want to do it. People who call themselves followers of Jesus have opted to discontinue many of Jesus' practices and lessons. Now, of course, we in this church earnestly want to be Christians who follow the example Jesus set and put his teachings into practice, right? At least in some ways, but that stuff about having one-fourth of what we talk about and work on together relate to our relationship to money and material possessions, let's not implement that part. I think this church, I think any church today, would be angry if a fourth of what I preached about was about our relationship to money and possessions. But then, I'm no Jesus. What do you think Zacchaeus most needed to hear and do in order to live a faithful life? All through our Gospels, Jesus seemed to tailor his words to what each person or group needed. I'm willing to bet that Jesus' dinner table with Zacchaeus was about money. Zacchaeus was a man who was wealthy and who used his position and wealth in ways that were exploitative and selfish, ways that did not contribute to the community. So I'm willing to bet that Jesus' dinner table conversation with Zacchaeus addressed these things. In another story in Luke, Jesus tells a rich young man to go, sell all that he has, give to the poor, and follow Jesus. 
If this is any indication of the kinds of conversations Jesus had with people who were interested in following Jesus, I think it's a fair bet that Jesus gave Zacchaeus some direction too in what it means to follow Jesus or what it means to live a faithful life. If Jesus came to dinner at your house and the conversation topic he chose was the topic of your financial situation or your material possessions, would you be A, disappointed, B, uncomfortable, C, angry, D, all of the above? Do you think Zacchaeus felt those things? There sure isn't any indication that he did. I wonder why. My guess is that the most central thing Jesus said to Zacchaeus in that dinner table conversation was, I love you. God loves you. And my guess is that Jesus talked to Zacchaeus about loving God and loving his neighbor, because we know that's what Jesus said to other people. The love of God is always at the center in Zacchaeus' story and in our stories. The love God has for us always permeates everything. And Jesus is the one who best helps us understand and see that love. How tangibly do you feel God's love for you? How deeply do you believe in God's love for you? There are all kinds of reasons people are generous. But I suspect that the more deeply we feel God's love the more keenly we desire to be generous. I suspect that the more thoroughly we believe that all that we have and all that we are come to us as gifts from God, the more keenly we desire to be generous. Because demands do not lead to generosity. Guilt does not lead to generosity, not in any sustainable way. A sense of obligation does not lead to generosity, not all on its own. But an overwhelming sense that God loves us and has given us everything we have and everything we are so that we might responsibly use and share what we've been given, now that moves our hearts to generosity. How we deal with our money and our possessions has to be integrated into our spiritual lives. Just ask Jesus. Just study the Gospels and that becomes clear. Perhaps there is some spiritual path that invites people to experience the transcendent without any implications for daily life, but that's not the Christian path. The Christian faith invites us to practice our faith here and now, sometimes in small ways and sometimes in large ways, but always in concrete tangible and practical ways. This is why some people describe stewardship and discipleship as two sides of the same coin. Whichever word you use, we're talking about a way of life that shapes our actions and our choices. Zacchaeus faced particular challenges that were specific to his context. He had to change the way he did his job and go against the prevailing economic models in carrying out his job. There are also particular challenges to our context, and some of that is about the prevailing models of our culture and our society. 
things like materialism and consumerism and the messages about what is the marker of success. In this way, stewardship as a lifestyle consistent with discipleship offers a certain freedom, freedom from the oppressive norms and values of our society, norms and values that don't fit with our faith. Zacchaeus was too short to see Jesus. Are we too short to see Jesus? Of course, that question is irrelevant to us. We don't see the historical Jesus of Nazareth physically with our own eyes. But if not too short, we might be too something. Too busy, too overwhelmed, too stressed out, too headstrong, too cynical, too anxious, too discouraged, too tired. We all have our own version of being too something, something that can get in the way of our faith. But Zacchaeus climbed a tree and found that Jesus would take that time to tell him about God's love and invite him into a transformed life. Would Zacchaeus have climbed that tree if he had known he would be less rich as a result? That we'll never know. We only know that he longed to know more about this Jesus. He made the effort to see Jesus and his life was transformed as a result. The message today is still that God loves you overwhelmingly and invites you into a transformed life shaped by that love. How will you answer the invitation? Amen.